Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to SEAC Stories. This podcast is brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. This is Tashara Dibley from the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre, and I'm very excited to be in conversation today with Dr. Paul Hick, who is a senior lecturer in veterinary virology at the Sydney School of Veterinary Science. Paul is a field epidemiologist and does lots of work on lab tests for animal diseases to help us understand a whole range of different diseases across farming systems. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much for having me, Tush. So, Paul, you actually have a lot of experience working in Indonesia on aquaculture projects, which is not what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about a new project you're working on related to pigs in Timor. But before we jump into it, I'm just interested, as a social scientist, I don't know a lot about your field, just interested about that transition. I mean, is it quite common for someone whose area of expertise is in aquaculture and uh, to move over to looking at a different sort of animal? Definitely moving into pigs and also into Timor-Leste was a new challenge for me. It was one that I was excited to get into because I see myself as an epidemiologist and a laboratory diagnostician in the most part. And what I like to do is use laboratory tests to untangle complex multifactorial diseases. And I feel like those understandings are applicable across all systems. And I think it probably shouldn't have surprised or upset me when I promote veterinary virology as being very important that this new challenge was met with twin pandemics. Yes. So you're looking at African swine flu, which is a relatively new pandemic, if I understand correctly? Yes. Actually, African swine fever, it's different to influenza, and it's one of the most significant animal health problems we've got in the world at the moment. To put it into context, since 2018, when it really got a foothold in China, there's an estimate of it killing perhaps a quarter of the world's pig population. And it's spread to about a dozen Southeast Asian countries at the moment. And it was in September 2019 that it started to impact in Timor-Leste. And it certainly, it required a big rethink of how we approached our our pig health project over there. We'll talk a little more about Timor and and how the disease came into Timor. But could you tell us a little more about the disease and what it does to animals? African swine fever virus is a unique virus. It's a very specialised, large and complex virus. And it's got a real knack of being able to orchestrate host cells to its own advantage When it's causing acute disease, it kills animals in a short period of time. So it's got a mortality rate of 80 to 100% of infected domestic pigs. Um, The way the disease expresses, of course, is influenced by host factors and environmental factors. So certainly in intensive production, it's very serious. It's characterized by nonspecific signs, so the animals will get a very high fever. You'll see some skin lesions. They'll exhibit what looks like malaise and um, progress towards death quite quickly. We're talking about a matter of days, and we're talking about whole populations having large-scale mortality. So where did it come from? It's an interesting virus that's been known for close to 100 years. It's been in Africa, and it's circulated between warthogs, and it's had a, a tick host that's maintained it. There's been outbreaks in other parts of the world um, in the last sort of 50 years with a less virulent genotype, which have largely been eradicated. It was in the Republic of Georgia in 2007 that we had a very virulent genotype of African swine fever emerge, and that started to spread. And over about 10 years before it got its foothold in that pig production industry in China, it's really taken off. I guess before we talk about how the disease came into Timor, it would be helpful for us to get a bit of a picture of the place of pigs in, in Timor. They're very much part of people's day to day life, aren't they? They are. So we talk about livestock being embedded in exactly that, the day-to-day life of um, the villages. 
To tackle the challenge of improving pig health, I really needed to understand the role of pigs in this country, which is unique. They're very culturally important, but they're surprisingly not an important food source. So typically, pig meat is consumed ceremonially. And um, the importance of pigs is as a social and also a really important economic asset within pig families. So over 70% of families own pigs. Typically, it's only less than three pigs that a family will own. But the value of those animals is around $1,000. US And to put that in context, I think 70% of people in Timor are living on $3.20 a day. There's something of a living bank. So when a family needs cash, they can sell a pig. Um, they're also essential for ceremonies. So if, if a family is not able to provide a pig for an important ceremony, they have to purchase one. Prior to the outbreak of African swine fever, pigs were very widespread. So they were part of everyday life. Um, you would see them in backyards frequently. Um, a lot of them would look like they're free roaming. You wouldn't necessarily be able to associate them with their place of residence. Um, since African swine fever, it, certainly in some regions, we've, we've had a real reduction in the number of pigs and you, you'll drive through those regions and people report not seeing pigs at all anymore. So when did African swine fever come into Timor? It was September of 2019. It made a fairly abrupt and dramatic appearance and um, it was diagnosed with assistance from laboratories in Australia and rapidly notified to the World Organisation for Animal Health. There was a census undertaken of the pigs around that time and th there was an appreciation that the disease was widespread um, almost immediately upon detecting it. Right. So did do you have any sense of how long it had been around before it was diagnosed? Being a very dramatic disease, it was identified quite quickly. When we have mass mortality of pigs, even in a country where we're trying to encourage passive surveillance and trying to encourage people to report diseases, this was a disease that was very hard to miss. And where do people think it came from? African swine fever virus is very good at being able to spread. So as well as killing pigs, it will subclinically infect pigs. So you've got a reservoir um, in pigs that can appear apparently healthy. Um, it can be spread by certain types of ticks when they're present. It's also very resistant in the environment. So once you've had an infected pig, there'll be a large amount of virus that will contaminate the environment. And that virus will be resistant to all sorts of environmental conditions. So it can be carried on boots, on vehicles. Um, a particular risk is um, in foodstuffs. So it can stay present in pig meat and all sorts of animal products for a long time after the animal has died. So it could possibly have come, say, from a traveler from another country or another animal? Yeah. So there's, there's multiple risk pathways for entry of this virus. Um, it's one of the hardest ones to try and implement biosecurity to control and when you've got porous borders and live animal trade, it was almost impossible to stop it as it got a foothold in, in neighbouring countries and really impacted some larger pig production in Timor's neighbours. Yep, and so Indonesia, the province of West Timor there is on the same island, isn't it? We understand it as a something of a porous border. And um, certainly Timor reported first their troubles with African swine fever, but we now know that um, there's been issues in Indonesia with the virus as well. So that happened in September 2019, and it's been a bit over a year. Um, how does your project fit into this timeline, and what are you trying to do? We've rapidly tried to refocus, and we want to provide best practice surveillance for animal disease. And we conceptualized the project before African swine fever was a problem. We were looking at some of the production limiting factors that would make pigs more susceptible to disease. So poor nutrition is a really important factor in disease especially in the dry period, it's hard to feed pigs well, and that makes them more susceptible. And um, 
parasites are important. And then even some of the management factors like providing housing and water can really improve general health of pigs. So we went into it trying to correct some of those production diseases and wanting to understand the big viral risk at the time, so classical swine fever virus. It had an unknown impact on pigs in Timor-Leste. It was certainly considered important enough that there was a national government-supported vaccination campaign. And we wanted to really understand how important was that vaccine campaign, how effective it was, and what was the relative balance between a virulent virus and some of the more multifactorial production diseases. So you went in with this project before African swine fever appeared. And then what happened? So, you know, how has your project had to change as a result of the arrival of it? Definitely African swine fever is the focus of attention now. And what we need to do is find a way to support pig production in Timor-Leste under those unique conditions. And um, free-ranging pigs kept in small numbers are obviously going to be very hard to apply the sorts of biosecurity measures that we think about in intensive production. Some of our colleagues have been working there at the time of the outbreak and were working with some exhibition farmers, some farmer champions who were demonstrating best practice management. And they implemented some basic biosecurity measures. So they started to build fences to keep roaming pigs away from the kept pigs. And they educated the farmers in changing their boots and being aware of the sorts of fomites that would bring virus in and the correct disposal of pigs when they felt they had an outbreak. So what is the correct disposal of a a pig once you've had an outbreak? The issue is that the virus stays viable in it for a very long period of time. Um, So deep burial or burning can be effective. But the temptation to use them as a foodstuff or to dispose of them in waterways is a real risk for distributing the virus more widely. And what is the, prior to the outbreak, what was the common practice in Timor in terms of disposing of pigs? They're such valuable animals as a foodstuff that it would be rare to ever have to dispose of a pig. So they would tend to be consumed. And does that pose a risk to humans if they're eating infected pigs? It's not a risk. There's multiple zoonotic risks with consuming pigs that are improperly looked after, but African swine fever is specific to pigs. There's no risk to people in a direct sense. It's definitely a big health problem because of the impact of poor pig production on human nutrition and well-being. I suppose the process of turning the pig into food risks spreading the disease to other animals as well? Yes, so slaughter techniques that are practiced ceremonially definitely create wastes which contaminate the environment. Um, You tend to get gatherings of people who then distribute back out and can take virus back to their pigs. So this is a very big challenge that your project is looking to tackle. And as you sort of hinted at at the beginning of our discussion, you're dealing with this now in the context of another pandemic, COVID-19. How are you managing the project? Something that I found really fascinating. So A Timorese vet that we're working with who's doing a lot of the extension work and teaching biosecurity explained to us the challenge of trying to get people to understand biosecurity when there's not a tetan word for virus. Um, So that's the the knowledge base that we're working with when we're trying to get these people to conceptualise how to keep pigs free from viral infection. Then, of course, we've added the public health measures that come with COVID-19. From our perspective, international travel went off the table and... um, What I really miss is the opportunity to work side by side. So a lot of the work that we do requires us to to basically be working on the same task and learning from each other. And it's, it's a shame to be missing that. But what we've got the advantage of is some very skillful scientists who are already very experienced in working on these types of projects. They've been able to continue a lot of the work that we've had planned 
and um, we've been reporting via Zoom meetings and teleconferences. Has it helped having COVID-19 around to be able to talk about African swine fever? So has that added some vocabulary maybe? That's a really interesting observation. I think the whole world's population has become a lot more educated in virology and epidemiology in the last couple of months. And seeing the public health measures that are in some ways hampering our research activities and stopping gatherings and stopping people being able to go out to the field and collect the diagnostic samples that we want to take back to a veterinary laboratory. It's also giving a very tangible demonstration of how to control the virus. And probably putting in some of the restrictions that are needed to slow down African swine fever as well. I think that's true as well. Yes, certainly. I know in Australia, we're petrified of the concept of African swine fever entering. And um, with the reduction in international travel, uh, one of our risk pathways has really reduced. And I think regionally as well, I think it's fair to say that reduced movement, um, reduced widespread trade in animals is definitely going to help. Well, always good to find those silver linings. I'm curious about how some of the interventions that you've already put in place have been received by Timurie's people. That's a great question. And I think that if we can use the concept of best practice champions, it's our best way of getting uptake of new ideas. And what we've seen is some of the farms who are offering best practice nutrition to their pigs are demonstrably producing better quality animals. So you've got some farmers who have followed the rules and now they've got healthier pigs and they're acting as role models for people in their community? That's true. And then I think the focus for what we're wanting to do now is, is really look at these animal health scientists who are working in the, in the para-veterinarian role. So they're sitting out at the interface between the veterinary service and farmers. They're working regionally and they can develop relationships um, which will build up trust and provide a really good functioning veterinary service. What I'd like to do in demonstrating best practice is not just increase the capacity of veterinary laboratory to correctly detect certain diseases of pigs, but to get that information flowing backwards and forwards from the laboratory. So we want it to feed up to the Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries and let them think about how to manage disease on a regional and national scale. But we can really empower the paraveterinarians by giving them results to take back to the farmers. And sometimes even bad news can be turned into a positive um, if they're working with the farmers in a way where they've built up some trust and they can give some routine preventative health advice if they can be the champions for finding a really adaptive way of feeding pigs well based on seasonal availability of high-protein foods. I've had some great examples where producing snails, for example, will produce a protein source that helps to grow pigs effectively. Um, they can also carry with them some of the routine preventatives like vaccines and antiparasite medications, which are going to really make a difference to the general health of pigs. So from the way you've been talking about it, it sounds like most of the focus is on preventative measures. Is there a cure for African swine fever? The challenge is that there's no treatment and it's been very refractory to vaccine development. So obviously there's a huge emphasis towards developing a vaccine that's going to be effective. But most of the options that have been tried so far have been ineffective or have had variable success, even in some cases where there's been vaccine-mediated disease enhancement. We really need to focus on managing biosecurity and preventing the disease from entering as much as possible, knowing that an effective vaccine could be quite some time away. So in an ideal world, if all this health advice was taken up as you, you wished it to be taken up, if that best practice was put into practice, what would pig production look like in Timor? What I see us doing here is a small case study, which gives us a template for what passive surveillance can look like. And that can lead in a lot of directions. 
at its simplest, I think it's a way of developing those relationships between the veterinary service directly with farmers to give general advice. At a national scale, livestock production in Timor can provide a real economic benefit if it can be developed to the point where they start to trade. And even if beef is the most important livestock product that is going to be considered as a trade commodity, we need to show freedom from very important diseases like foot and mouth disease virus. And if we've got really effective surveillance through pigs, then we've got some confidence that foot and mouth disease virus isn't present. And that's going to give trading partners like Indonesia much more confidence in being able to take beef from Timor. And in terms of pigs wandering the streets, is that still going to be something people who visit Timor will see? I think it will be for a long time. The place of pigs in Timor is deeply culturally embedded and um, we're not going to see factory farming occurring in Timor. It's not appropriate. But what we can have, the World Organization for Animal Health has recognized that there is a serious under-resourcing of the veterinary service in terms of people capacity and just simple funds. And if we can show what's possible in a best case scenario in terms of improving the health, the welfare and production of one of the livestock, really important livestock species, then I think that that's going to encourage further investment in a veterinary service and one that really does impact out at the, the level of farmers looking after livestock. That's a really interesting and very important project. And we would love to have you back in a few years to hear how things have gone. Thank you, Paul, for joining us and best of luck at the project. Thank you very much for your time and your interest. You've been listening to SEAC Stories, brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. Make sure to keep up with all our SEAC Stories podcasts by following us on your favourite podcasting app. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, let your friends know about us on social media.